0: Hello, I'm Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram. And this is fucking talking shit with Eagle, episode 339. Hopefully, you guys have had an amazing Friday. I know I have. I know I have an amazing guest for you tonight. You guys have seen him all around the community, very much so in the organic community. Joshua Steensland, how are you doing tonight, sir?
1: Doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah appreciate you uh, reaching out
0: oh, man it's definitely my pleasure my pleasure for sure what you smoking on there tonight
1: uh i think tonight i've got some of uh genome alchemy's uh, gear i got some tester beans from him a couple years ago I think it was the platinum tesla og times teleforce fuck sorry brother if i'm messing it up but it was an unnamed tester uh really nice man turned out really really good i only uh had like three or four in my last cycle of of his
0: um in there and they all turned out really really nice so
1: so working through some of
0: that well it's got to be pretty decent for a tester if it's still around a couple years later it's got to say a (laughs) lot right there right yeah for sure So heck yeah. Uh, Well, this is the the the, uh, backstory show of it all. So I guess we might as well just jump into it all and uh, you know get to the get to the beginning question. That you know, I think it's funny about this this in particular question does start off almost every show. But the beauty about this question is is it has so many different outcomes. It's uh, (laughs) a It makes the question valid every time. I'm intrigued. Time, so. Yeah. So, what is, what, when is, when was the first time lady cannabis come strolling, strolling into your life? Well, you know,
1: <coughs> it was around, uh, ever since I was a kid. My mom, uh, was, uh, uh you know, a regular, uh, would regularly imbibe and, um, you know, of course, back then I was, I was born in uh, 75, I'm 46. So, you know, back when I was young, uh, single digit years, uh, you know, obviously cannabis is still very illegal and, and uh, my mom was very much uh, um, pretty open with, uh, with, you know, her lifestyle. And and so it, I, it was around, you know, and um, so I had a pretty, a pretty early exposure to it. You know, I even remember, gosh, I must have been eight or nine, um, getting a hold of some some brownies that my mom and her friend had made, and they had just kind of were like, oh, they laughed it off, you know, they, and they watched me get completely baked and just laughed, you know, laughed at me about it, you know, and, and uh, that was my first like real. Real world interaction with cannabis. Um, unfortunately, my mom passed away uh, shortly after that in a car accident when I was ten, and so I was removed from the culture then because I had to go live with my grandparents. They're very they're very uh, strict, and um, and so I didn't. And then I in high school I was a I was an athlete, and so I was pretty pretty big into fitness, and I was a varsity track athlete and. Uh, And so I didn't really, didn't really smoke a lot in high school. I had a girlfriend late in high school that we dabbled a little bit, but uh, you know, I was just, it just wasn't my wavelength back then. Um, I joined the Marines in 93 and, uh, I got stationed. I got the fortunate, uh, um, I was fortunate enough to get stationed in Puerto Rico, uh, for one of my first duty stations after going through training. And so, um, after about seven or eight months of just drinking myself silly in puerto rico i was finally like man there's got to be another way to recreate and you know and i just got the itch to smoke some smoke some weed you know i was like i was here i am in the caribbean and i knew that there was a lot of uh, recreational substances at my fingertips and so we we took uh uh, advantage of our position in Puerto Rico, me and a couple of my good Marine buddies, and we uh were able to find a regular source for cannabis, and and that's that really kicked me off. And that was probably in like '95, um, and so that's when I knew that cannabis was going to be with me forever. You know, I just after after like binge drinking for six months, you know, and then get moving on to the cannabis, and just like, oh, okay, man, I'm. I'm not going to be puking anymore. You know, all the stuff that most of us figure out (laughs) when we, you know, when we, when we weigh our two options, when it's a recreational thing, you know? Um, And then, and then after time you, you start to realize as most of us do that there is actually like a therapeutic therapeutic benefits happening with this. And this is before medical, right? So, so it wasn't even, nobody ever even really thought of weed as medicine back then, you know, It, it, It we just knew that it was there was a net positive, and so you know it was one of those things where as soon as I, as soon as I consumed it regularly in Puerto Rico as an adult, I was like, oh my god, this is, this is staying on board forever. Like this is a (laughs) non-negotiable.
0: It it, it is well. Sorry to hear about the the early loss of your mom, brother. That's very early. Oh yeah.
1: You know, you know, uh, it, it's uh, one of those things that it shapes you as a person, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, that, that a part of your past that you can't escape from. And it, it shaped who I was from that moment on. Um, but at this point it was so long ago, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's just part of life, you know, and, and, uh, no, it's uh, the way it goes, man. I appreciate it.
0: Man, but between the, you know, it, you like you said, it, it's a tough way to, sh- you know, shape your way, your life, man. But between that and the Marines at 90, in 93, that had to have been fresh, fresh out of high school. I mean, graduate yeah. directly yeah. into the Marines
1: you're I not actually even fucking
0: around. Totally. Like, I actually I'm going, I'm going into the fucking Marines. I'm going to be a badass. That's not, I mean <laughs> out of all the all the branches you know the Marines don't fuck around. You definitely chose the hardest yeah, right. Well, there's a all. kind of
1: a there's kind of a funny story with that cuz I um because right because my mom passed I was in a um I lived with my grandma for a spell and then we went to like a foster home type situation where um, it was a small town in southeastern Washington, so everybody kind of knew each other. It wasn't so small that it was like, you know, you know, 100 people, but it was small enough that, the, you know, the community of people knew each other. So we went to live with this family and, and, um, oh man, I think I lost my train of thought already. Oh, but I wanted out. Yeah. So I wanted out. Right. So at the end of my junior year, I enlisted in the Marines to, to leave the following year so with my whole senior year i knew i was going into the marines um and uh it was just like i was just preparing for it my whole senior year Uh, and then two days after graduation i was gone jumped right into it
0: it's crazy (laughs) so I can't help but wonder, you say your whole senior year, you knew you were going in and you just kind of trained for it. So was that like physically training for it or I'm going to the fucking Marines and I'm going to be a madman my senior year? Yeah. (laughs) So
1: no, no, it was, um, it was a lot of like, I was kind of a boring cat you know, by the time my senior year rolled around, because I was I was pretty up to that point. I was pretty serious about sports. Um, and then I had kind of a longtime steady girlfriend. And so I was really just focused on spending a lot of time with her because I knew I was going to be jamming, spending time with family. And then I, I did do a lot of like mental preparation. Like I, I read a lot of the Marine Corps manual, that kind of crap, just to kind of get prepared for boot camp. Um, so I originally, this, how I decided on the Marines is really kind of funny. I had scheduled an appointment with the air force recruiter. And cause I was like, Oh, let's check out the air force. See what's up. I thought maybe there was good job opportunities after the service with the air force, you know, like either in mechanics or something. So I was like, let me go check, let me check them out. And I went to the recruiting office and they completely stood me up. Like nobody was there. I was fucking pissed. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And so I, I walk off and I walk down a, and I walk by this open door. And as I pass the open door, there's a guy in there. And he's like, Hey, what the fuck you doing? And I come back and I look and it's the Marine recruiter. And I was like, Hey, these fucking assholes stood me up. And he's like, yeah, it's about right. And then that was it. You know, we started talking and, uh, I, and then I was like, all right, all right. I think I was, you saved me from making a bad decision. Um, I, t- I took their little ASVAB test and, you know, tested in like the 97th percentile and he just was over the moon to get me, get me signed up. And I, and I was able to, uh, you know, pick a pretty good MOS uh, uh, military occupational specialty. And so, uh, you know, I, I was able to specialize in, um, as a Marine security Marine security forces. So, you know, I got to learn, um, uh, uh, finer security points, uh, VIP escort executive protection, um, high asset security, um, that kind of stuff. And I ended up getting a secret clearance and that's how I got, um, sent to Puerto Rico to work on a, a secret na- a Navy base that had secret clearance for, you know, uh, communications or whatever. So none of this stuff. I mean, I can't, I, I'm, I'm totally cleared to talk about any of that. It's, it's pretty much common knowledge at this point, what's going on down there. But uh, yeah, it, it was uh, really good for me. Cause I was a bit, you know, I was uh, not ready to go to college. And, um, you know, I just felt like, uh, that was going to get me out of the situation I was in at home where I just, you know, really was, that was my ticket to be out and independent as soon as possible. And and it seems kind of counterintuitive to go into the military to be independent, but that compared to the situation I was in, that was independent, you know, and, and, uh, and I gobbled it up, you know, and, and and the Marines was really really good for me. But I did four years, and, and and was anxious to get out and live a normal life for sure.
0: So when you were uh, finding the cannabis over there, uh, <laughs> what were you, what were you getting into? You, what were you Holy lucky shit. enough to find? Holy
1: So it, you know, you know, a lot of it was pretty, you know, pretty. Pretty much trashy, you know. Uh, boat smuggled stuff, you know, like uh, like like you would find coming from Mexico or anywhere else. It was a little more green there, um, but how how we had to get it was really a trip. Like, there's this place in Old San Juan where you'd go, and there'd be these like cops that were paid, and they're they're sitting there at the top of these this stairwell and. When I first got taken there by a local, they were like, Hey, don't worry, these guys work for the cartel. And I was like, Oh, okay, I see what's going on. So there's, was, there was like, no problem. They know what's going on. You won't get arrested when you come back up. Everything's cool. And I was like, All right, great. So we go down, down this little rickety like stairwell into this old San Juan where it's just li- literally like the first settlements. It's really architecturally speaking, it's gorgeous, man. But down there, get down into these like seedy, narrow, um, reminds me of uh, Venice, you know, really like narrow Venetian type streets. And uh, got, people would just come out of the woodworks with tackle boxes, you know, these three-tiered tackle boxes. And inside this tackle box was whatever you could possibly want, you know, like uh, the powders, the pills, the the ganja, like everything, like anything you can imagine. So as, as you can imagine, uh, 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 you know, 20, 21 year old young man in uh, Puerto Rico with lots of spare time because, you know, we got we were pretty fortunate where we we worked for like three days straight and then we got two or three days off, you know, so then so we had a lot of spare time because our work when we worked, we were working 24 hours straight. We were on site. We couldn't leave. We're eating, sleeping on site, so we got a lot of free time when we weren't working. So we got to just tear tear it up in Puerto Rico, and and tear it up we (laughs) did. It
0: sounds like some pretty good times over there, man. Yeah, man. Yep, for sure. Definitely, uh, especially being wound up. I mean, I'm the adrenaline, I'm sure from doing what you're doing is pretty high anyway. So when you're off time, I'm sure you're, you're matching, you're Mm -hmm. matching the adrenaline. Oh yeah. 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 The intensity never leaves when you're, when
1: you're in that kind of, especially that young too. And the, and the testosterone is flowing and and you're really just kind of, uh, you know, at maximum machismo, (laughs) you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have wanted to run into the, Twenty-one or twenty-two-year-old me back then,
0: <laughs> different you know, character. Yeah, mm-hmm. same here, same here. You know, I heard you mention that like the therapeutical or the medical benefits of cannabis. It sounds mm-hmm. like you found it. Did Did you find the the actual medical benefits before growing? Did you actually find that it had its benefits before the
1: growth? No, actually, when I first started growing was, was obviously like for profit. It was, it was, uh, I think, uh, if, if, if anybody was so inclined to do a deep, deep, deep scroll on my Instagram feed, you'll find an old Polaroid, um, from around, gosh, it must've been 97 from my first grow in '97, back when Polaroids were like the only way you could take a picture of your shit, because you couldn't take it to a one-hour photo. Um, there was no digital cameras, so it was uh, it was a Polaroid, and and, and so '97 was my first big grow, uh, what I call big, um, not a closet, um, and uh, I've been growing ever since. But no, that that grow was specifically to save money and and make money you know because we obviously buying weed at 50 bucks an eighth or whatever back in the day uh, is not very sustainable unless you're a trust fund kid or whatever (laughs) so we started growing yeah and then i just noticed you know over time that like my stomach issues that you know um that i was having pretty regularly when the quality of the cannabis got better, you know, like when we were growing, when we first had the homegrown, you know, that, then that was, you know, uh, exponentially better than the crap we were getting on the street. And then once we, you know, started refining our skills and, and, and it, the smoke got better and better, um, I, that's when I, my body got tuned to it. And I realized that, Hey man, my morning nausea isn't, is non-existent when, I have good smoke, you know. When I've got the good homegrown stuff, I didn't have the nausea, or you know, uh, it helps with my anxiety. I, I did end up leaving the service with a little PTSD, come you know, from from sticky situations in in West Africa, um, but uh, it, it's so it's helped, you know. And and I felt that I felt that blanket of ease, you know, that comfort that I get from it. Uh, and recognize it as therapy right away, you know, like within a couple years of, of growing it.
0: You know, I, I, I've said a lot of times, a lot of times in the last year, mainly from my own experience, but, you know, hearing people tell their own, their own journey as well. But, you know, cannabis as you cultivate it does seem to bring out the, the medicinal side I think it's very therapeutic all in itself yeah but today I was listening to a, a book on organics and just as much as I thought you know cannabis in general has been suppressed but I I kind of thought this one fact that I heard today had to be even though it's it's, it seems to be more than obvious. I had never heard of heard of it, you know, up until I heard it today. And it said that uh, in 73, 73, the, hoard, the Horticulture Society actually sent out, a, like did a campaign to, they had realized it then. They had, Horticulture had such a therapeutical value that they were reaching out to drug addicts and, you know, people that had stress problems back then. Right. Way right. the fuck back in 73. Right. And that's just the simple and act I, of
1: cultivation, right? Like cultivating anything, right? Like having right. therapeutic benefit.
0: Yeah. It's a trip. Yeah. And that's, and yeah, and then it once apply, you know, I thought, you know, it just, I almost just thought it applied to cannabis, but to know that they knew it applied to everything back then, I was like, man, why isn't this being taught to more people? You know what I mean? I wasn't, yep. you know, when addicts go into, you know, recovery or, you know, how come one of the things they ain't offered right off the bat? Yeah, Here's some dirt. Here's some soil. 100%. Fucking take your mind to another place yep 100%. you know what I mean?
1: yeah man we we, uh, we were just talking about that here at home the other day about how your gut is responsible for a lot of your mental well-being right and so in eastern um, eastern practices or, or medicines like, like especially ayurveda, ayurveda they call that gut your second brain and that that you know, it's directly responsible to the parts of your brain that uh, allow you to feel pleasure and uh, in a sense of well-being and, and all of that. And so what I'm getting at is, is that if you're gardening in um, a, a, an organic garden where you don't have pesticides, where you're, the microbiome is present in the soil... Those are the that's the similar biology and the same biology that it's existing in your guts, right? So that's why like pulling a carrot out of the garden and not washing it off with that chlorinated water, tap water, before you eat it is really important because you're introducing the microbes that actually populate the lining of your gut and and charge your second brain and literally help you feel better. So the fact that they, you know, have empirical data to, to kind of back that up is is awesome, you know. And we've something that we've all just known from experience: the the catharsis and this kind of uh, release that happens when you actually spend time in the garden, not fiddle fucking around, but but cultivating. Um, like, there's something that happens, and we all know it. Um, and I think the more people that get their hands in soil or or, or you know, uh, care for a crop, whatever, even if it's, you know, uh, hydroponic or something, you know, like they're, they're, you're missing a living soil component there, but I'm not, I, I wouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, like you're still, you're still taking care of something and guiding it and steering it. And, and, you know, you could do it in a, in a way where at the end, the end product is good and healthy and that, and that's legit, man. So I, I don't hate on people for doing that, but, the soil growing, there's something there, you know, it, with that exchange of biology um, that's super, super important, and it lends a credence to what you were just saying about, you know, it, it actually makes you healthier, makes you happier, and there's there's science to and and physiology and biology that kind of back all that up.
0: For sure, you know, I actually. Uh, it's funny because you know you always hear that phrase, the gut feeling. Mm-hmm. Got yeah, that gut feeling, hundred percent. And you know, I never had actually related it to my gut or the second brain up until yep. this last year. I kind of did a deep uh, spiritual dive this last year, nice. and it's kind of it was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Well. It was with, you know, a little bit of the, you know, micro dosing. So maybe it was the smartness of the microbiology yeah, right there, yeah. you know, being introduced. But it was a little bit of both, I think, as I went mm-hmm. down that road and started doing this and talking about a little bit more about organics and stuff that I really started putting things together. Yeah. And I read this one book, the, uh, what was it, Dirt to Soil or was it The, the Soil Cure, I think. And they were talking about the importance of uh your gut biome and it being up responsible for up to forty percent of your overall thinking in general. Right. Talking about how smart uh micros were, you know, actually at one point, you know, putting the uh, putting uh putting a drop on a, a puzzle and it actually would figure its way out, throw its <laughs> way out of the right of the And I was like, wow, but I never, you know, I never really put any thought to, you know, your gut having that much to do with your overall thinking. But it, it obviously does.
1: Yeah, it is. And that's a, it's a tough one for us to wrap our kind of Western minds around um, because we're so, we're so in our head and, and it's disassociated with our body a lot of times with our thinking and, um, it it was an eye opener for me. And even now, like, I understand the concept, but it's still really hard to even like wrap your head around. Like, what does that even mean? Like your gut is responsible for this shit. And to me, it means you just gotta be cool with what you're eating, man. And make sure what you're eating isn't disturbing that microbiome. And if it's damaged anyway, you've got to replace it. And the only way to replace it is, you know, by populating it the best way is by populating it naturally with foods that are just rich in those that's on the leaves of the lettuce and, and you know, um, that you can't you can't escape good biology. If, you know, it's coming from, you know, a biodynamic farm or a regeneratively ran farm where the, the place is just teeming with it. Uh, you'll get it just walking around. You're just going to pick it up.
0: Yeah, I don't think people like to realize that, you know, so much more, they like to think that we're, you know, just this, this is a person, that's it, that's it, you know what I mean, they don't like to realize that there's so much other living processes going on inside of us that are uh, so independent of what we think and do.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man, true story. So it's interesting that you're doing the microdosing too. I've started on that on that journey probably two months ago now, and I've been taking uh, you know a point one to a 0.15 pretty much every day. I've taken a couple days off um, just to kind of see how if there was a difference cognitively or or what you know. And I've really been trying to to um, be present and and. Basically, keeping like a mental journal of what the different dosages are, and I've got two different strains of uh, of mushroom too, so um, it's interesting, like dosing those separately, you know, to to, to see the differences um, that are subtle, but they're there, and and um, so I'm, I'm I'm interested. I'm interested to expand my um, you know uh, medicine cabinet, as it were, to try. Multiple different varieties, and really kind of just um, play around with them at the micro scale. You know, like a, a lot of these, I ha- I haven't even taken um, a therapeutic dose yet on these, or I haven't gone on a journey on these yet. But I do know that if I've, I've take it up to 0.2 or a two point or point two five, that I'll start to feel start to feel that yawns coming on, and you start to feel that first onset. So I know that there's a, you know, uh, there's a threshold, but I have yet to take a hero- heroic or, or a journey with them. So I'm kind of enjoying it leaving it at, at this micro perspective um, because I've definitely noticed a difference in my overall sense of well-being um, and uh, more energy, more like natural energy. You know, it's 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 been really interesting. I don't know. I'd love to hear what your experience has been
0: very similar very similar overall uh, better mood mm-hmm. you know for me uh they kind of I went the other way uh I I, I was uh, I had a friend of mine that had uh, passed me a good amount of them and I was you know here and there a little bit and they were I could tell that they were helping re-bring, re back that good mood that I used to have all the time. i like, okay, okay. And then it ended up, uh, <laughs> it was kind of funny because uh, the guy who would, uh, was actually, I have one of my daughters in chat, so this is kind of funny. My oldest daughter, uh, who her boyfriend who was kind of cultivating them at the time uh, was passing them to me, which I think was super funny because it was kind of like a, let's keep the old man happy. So like every time I see him, he was like, you know, handing me a nice, a nice batch, And they were going back and forth from uh, fresh to like a dry. Mm. And so I was like going back on the weight back and forth, just barely, barely taking some. And then I, it was like wet, 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 wet. Then I got a bunch of dry and I didn't even think (laughs) during that trans transition period. So I was, I took a wet dose of dry yes yeah, so you got walnuts yeah. oh yeah, yeah 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 and it ended up being a fucking dose yeah man and it was weird it was completely weird uh i what happened that night it was very hard to swallow to be honest with you oh wow it was super hard to swallow yeah but what What came about was, man, it it was what it was. Everything that was going on in my life at that time that I wasn't aware of, yeah, that was like revealed to me all in that night, yeah. And it was super hard to deal with. And then, as I as time went on, and I kind of reflected on my experience uh, on that night. Things started to unfold. It was weird. I started seeing like angel numbers 111 222. Oh, and at first it was like, wow, that wow, that's weird, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then it became so apparent that I couldn't look away anymore at the angel right. numbers. I had right. to start looking into what the heck I was seeing. On top of that, things were happening that were related were relating back to that night. And it was like, they should have been just crushing events, right. you know what I mean? Right. But it was like, mm, I've already dealt with that, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, right. I've, already, I've already been there, I've already dealt with that, I'm over the situation, right. it's time to move on, right. I'm moving on. And even the people around me were like, how are you fucking holding, how are you keeping shit together? Sure. You know what I mean? And yeah. it was... All to that revelation. I had already seen and been through it that night. And as it played out, I was, you know, I was able to mentally deal with it all. It was very wild.
1: That's a powerful testimony. Like it's a, it's one of those things like the psychedelic experience. Like some people try to take them to have a profound experience and then they just miss it. And other people have these profound experiences completely inadvertently and and many times they're these uncomfortable kind of jarring moments but you know like 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 uh uh, the stream you know clearing the river or a blockage in the river there has to be enough inertia to jam that big rock out of the way to let everything go right and so i think that a lot of times that's what happens when people have bad trips or you get you end up getting into this introspective kind of hellish space where you're just like spinning on your thoughts you know that's a uh, uh, it's it's gonna happen whether you want it to or not so you can be combative or you can go with it but either way i feel like the outcome is is the same in the end whether you whether you go about it kicking and screaming which or you go about it peacefully and calm which a lot of times you don't have the choice it's just your body is going through a reaction and you and your mind and you just kind of gotta deal the cards you dealt yourself you know and because I've been there man I've uh, I've dabbled with psychedelics a lot back in the day and you know I've had found myself stuck in like especially with LSD man you can because the the journeys so long, comparatively to to psilocybin that you really like, you can find yourself if you're not in the right setting or space. And if you know, certain life circumstances or whatever, they can really you could find yourself kind of in a feedback loop of uh, anxiety, you know, but a lot of that has had to do with setting at least in my case.
0: I you know, I was listening on clubhouse the other day in a in a room about uh, psychedelics. And they were talking, uh, they were actually saying that, you know, for therapeutical, uh, sessions that you should almost be in that bad spot mm. when you go into that place, just so you can skip the bullshit. You sure. know what I mean? Interesting. So I've That's came, interesting. I've came to my session and I'm good today. You know what right. I mean? And we're going to, you know, it's all high all good stuff that session yeah you had a breakthrough you left but they were talking about you know it was better to when you were you know had that moment and you could go deep and lock into yourself mm. just like you were saying push yep. that fucking boulder out of yeah. the way and get yeah, it you exactly. know move on yep. from the sessions after that hundred percent place
1: Right, because then then like, you've got this kind of this flowing energy. If if you're into that kind of thought process of, of how um, we interact with things energetically, you know, this kind of electric universe type concept, uh, it, it 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 stands to reason that you know when you are uh, blockage free or you've worked of worked loose some kind of uh, energetic a blockage that now you're you're open to um, receive the other you know other signals right so you're not only not only are you more efficient with your output but you're also more efficient at what you can receive as well uh, it's like a two-way diaphragm where you remove the blockage instead of just a one-way that's super interesting
0: So even after that experience, you know, it kind of just led me to being open, more open mm. to, you know, spiritual, more spiritual sure. side of things. Yeah. And uh, I then from that point on, I've been trying to just kind of link the two, mm-hmm. much like, uh, you know, you. We think about we're in a spiritual place or meditation-like state when we use cannabis. I've been trying to use microdoses when I want to be a dive deeper into my spirituality. When I hundred like, percent go want a lot of times I think a good time is to, like right before I, I like listen to a book on Buddhism or mm. something like that to where I hear I, I'll be listening to something. And then I'll hit that one thing that sends me into a tailspin. Then I'll stop and focus on, you know, whatever it is I just heard. Right. You know. Yeah, it it it's pretty cool how it gives
1: you laser focus. Like that's what I noticed that, uh, and not like this enhanced caffeine or, you know, methamphetamine type focus. It's like a, it's like a uh, very. Present and aware but you're able to like just focus on shit it's it's really hard to describe it's this it's a really soft uh uh awareness soft like soft focus is a how i describe it you know because it's not like you're stuck with this kind of hard analytical because like once again lsd can feel that way um and from what i understand that's what like a lot of the silicon valley like coders and whatnot, they're, they're, they're micro dosing the LSD. And, and I could really see where that has that, that has that really kind of sharp focus, you know, with, with it, as com- compared to mushrooms, you, it's more kind of, when you get high with mushrooms, it's more of this drunken feeling where you're just a little kind of woozy and woop, 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 but with LSD, you're like locked in, you know, things are moving and you're just like, Whoa, Whoa, it's very crisp. And so I, I could see the, the differences and I haven't microdosed with LSD yet, but I, I, I think it would be interesting um, to juxtaposition the two, especially after, you know, two, two good solid months of uh, microdosing with the mushrooms, man. And I, I really like it and I don't foresee
0: myself stopping anytime soon. So I was just fixing to kind of walk you down this road to a question that I was leading up to. And then I had this weird weird uh, kind of thought in my head, and I think it's kind of funny, so I'm going to skip the bullshit, and I'm going to go right to the, the thought I had. Do it. And I think, I'm starting to think, as of this moment, that spirituality could be a dealer. <laughs> Now, hear me out when I say this. <laughs> hear me out when I say this, because this is what I was going to lead you up to. Because this is what I think is kind of going on. We've leaded up to this point where humanity as a whole has kind of been a shithead. And I think this is what's going on. This is why I say spirituality could be somewhat of a dealer. Because I think we're being led up to something here. Mm. I think, it, you know... I think it's no coincidence that cannabis has been brought to the forefront and to catch or capture our own all of our attention. But it's like it, it seemed like it's worked like this. Spirit spiritualities went, hey asshole, come here. Try this. You yeah, <laughs> Gotcha, yeah, yeah, totally. And then so <laughs> then we, we've taken the cannabis plant. Now follow me here, follow me. We've taken the cannabis plant. We've started to smoke it and use it. Went, yeah, this 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 is helping. This is helping. And then she went, you should grow this shit. And we went, wow, this is really good. This is very beneficial. And then she went, okay, here's organics. <laughs> and we went, wow, we're getting in deep, man. I'm I'm really putting myself into check. I've learned a bunch about myself and now oh with organics, I'm learning how to take care of myself and the environment. And then she went, Hey, one more thing. Here's some mushrooms. <laughs> and and you <fuck> <laughs> now yeah. we're like, wow, now right. we're unlocking our mind and yeah. spirituality. So I think she's just like standing there, just kind of like feeding us. These Man, what, what else you want? Too. I got ayahuasca. I got DMT. What, <laughs> what you need? What you need? Yeah, we're gonna we're <laughs> we're gonna finally unlock unlock the thing, the doors for you. <laughs>
1: yeah, Huxley. Huxley is smiling
0: right now. That's hilarious. I'm thinking it's That's very a, possible. Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, I like that idea. So, once you got out there and you've kind of you're back home, did it start with organics for you? Once no, you no, cooking? no. The the guy who taught us was very.
1: Uh, you know, miracle growing. you know, this is, <laughs> so he was the, you know, b- very much just whatever you can get, you know, get the 20, 20, 20, you know? And, and so it was, it was that kind of deal. And then once, once I did a couple cycles, cause what happened was, is that we, my friend and I re- leased this really beautiful place out in the, out in the country. We had a big, beautiful basement. And a, an acquaintance of ours was like, Hey man, Let's make use of that basement. <laughs> I was like, okay, let's do it. He's like, I'll show you what's up. I have all the equipment. I'll bring it over. I'll teach you guys how to do it. I'll teach you what I know. And then you guys run it and we'll split it all one third a piece. Right. And I was like, fucking, Hey, let's I'm, I'm down. So um, props to props to Gordon, man. Old Gordon. I don't even know what's up with that guy, but uh, he's the guy that turned me on to the, the trade um 1997 and uh yeah so from there i just kind of poured myself into of course these were kind of pre-internet days 97 nice at least where i was i i didn't have a internet in my house you know i think my brother might have had some weird dial up at his place at that point but i was completely out of that loop so it you know we were literally in the like ordering books out of high times days, you know, to get information, you know, so, uh, uh, you know, the Mel Frank shit and the Ed Rose early Ed Rosenthal stuff, you know, um, that made growing cannabis seem so hyper complicated. And, um, there, those, those early how to grow cannabis books were really fucking discouraging <laughs> for a lot of folks because they were chocked full of. You know how easy it was to fuck it up, and and this was back back when the standards were you know shit, like and the, the genetic availability was shit. So, um, you know, it, it it was really back then. It was just a. Um, if you didn't learn from your own mistakes, you would, you would never make it in, in, in cannabis world back then. You know, like you absolutely had to be a real time farmer, you know, where like you had to pay attention. You didn't have, we didn't have forums. I didn't have uh, Instagram or, (laughs) these other fucking things that we take for granted now to bounce ideas off and get immediate answers from. And even even now it's, 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 it's become such a thing that you you've got to be careful what answers you fucking get. Now you get so many fucking answers back to your questions. So, you know um, there is something to be said for uh, um, really like having to dig around and find good information back in the day on, on what proper cultivation techniques were and then just going out and doing them, man. And, and, and so my trajectory in doing that brought me to all different kinds. I think, I think uh, aquaponics is the only thing I haven't tried, Um, you know, as far as conventional cultivation systems, deep water culture, aeroponics, uh, the recirculating deep water culture, like current culture, these highly oxygenated versions. I've done those, done soil with synthetics, which is completely fucking asinine to think about, you know, it's like, what was I, you know, it's like literally like tossing soil, like completely like mind numbingly dumb shit. Um, and, and, but I've done it all right. And, 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 and eventually I got to the point where, um, I was looking for a simpler way, you know, I was like, there just has to be a simpler way than mixing these seven part formulas, fucking toting fucking soil out and, and, and wasting all this money. It just did not make any sense, you know? And so, you know, uh, uh, not until like five years ago. So from, uh, from 1997 to fucking five years ago, six years ago, I was running the rat race of trying to grow the, with the latest hype fucking nutrients or the latest hype techniques, you know? And, um, once the internet became a thing, of course, that, that opened up the ICMAG forums and that, that was a huge resource for me at that time. Um, and, and and that's kind of what pushed me into doing the current culture uh setup for a while um but uh once I learned about the you know the li- living soil systems and the ease of operation you know it was music to my ears and it was literally just like why why didn't I find this sooner you know it's like it, it, in the first cycle um I that I grew in in living soil with the living soil soil style system it was hands down better than anything i had grown in the you know 15 years or whatever it was previous to that it it was ridiculous and 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 unmistakably obvious uh that the product was better that that the methodology was better and even if i didn't understand it at the time. and and not to say that I do under, I have a deep understanding of it. Now I just have a few more years experience on the person I was then. So I'm definitely not a Dr. Elaine or or anything. So I'm not even close, but what I do, what I have accumulated is experience and, and over the years of all the fucking up, I've learned, you know, to really pay attention to the things that are happening. Um, and that's why that, uh, fukuoka's book the one straw revolution really spoke to me because it was just made a lot of sense like thoughtful observation conscious very conscious observation of what's going on not just whimsically looking at shit i mean there's time for that but but your time spent in the garden there has to be a time of of kind of just this conscious analysis where you're, you're, you're taking mental notes and, you know, you're literally like to, to, taking a scientific method and, and, and uh, uh, trying to understand what's happening and, and paying attention. Cause if not, you, you're just going to, you're setting yourself up. And, and what I found is that it's usually in the makeup of the individual. So they either have it in them to, to, to kind of tackle the grow like that, or they don't. And they had to learn a regimented system of cultivation that allows them to, to, stay present like that. So um, his book where, you know, he just explained how he just kind of opened himself up to observing and watching the natural order <clears throat> uh, emboldened my kind of um, desire to, to step back and, and to let, to set, put the components together and then know when to just get the fuck out of the way. Um, and that's when my garden started to really improve is when I I, I, I started to understand when I needed to be out of the way and when I needed to be there. And, and that's tends to be the, the variable at what fucks people's garden up. You know, if you have to fuss around your garden for eight hours a day, something's wrong, homie. <laughs> like, I, I walk in my garden for 10 or 15 minutes in the morning. I, I do a little, you know, uh, uh, canopy management and um, a whole lot of uh, uh, analysis and admiration. And then I just kind of bask in the vibe of the room and bounce, you know, sometimes I'll sit out there and smoke a joint and just kind of look at the plants, especially when they're looking great. You know, it's uh, it never gets old.
0: <laughs> they are a beautiful plant. That's for sure. And uh, they seem to uh, just have that great vibe about Yeah. Them. So yeah, the yeah. garden is an amazing place to yeah. spend some time. With. Sure is. So you said it was night and day. Night and day you could tell that first time.
1: Mm. Without was- question. Yeah. Yeah. When I switched from so <clears throat> there was kind of a, a two-tiered transition. Um I was doing like a cocoa based medium running, you know, your standard, your pH perfect advanced nutrients stuff. Um, and and I, was, I ran that for a good year or so with really great success. It set some uh, medical gardens up for folks with really good success, really high yields. Um, but of course, you know, um, looking back, the, the terpenes were definitely not as good as what, what we're producing now but, um, but we were doing all right. But what had happened is we, um, had got what I felt was a bad batch of that, uh, advanced nutrients. And, um, you know, uh, just a disclaimer, it's just my personal experience, <laughs> um, it, 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 in my personal opinion that, that we got a bad batch and, you know, um, it ended up I ended up turning a whole room of mine, right? Like mid flower. And so I was really upset. And, um, I, cause I ended up checking the, uh, double checking the pH of the finished deal. And it was like super low, like 5.2. And when I called them and was, and explained what was going on, they were like, Oh, it should still be fine. And I was just like, okay, that's when I knew, um, I had to find a different way, you know, like it, it, that was too big of a variable, you know, up to that point. Um, consistency had been pretty good, you know, uh, uh, considering all things considered, uh, and, uh, that I, I'm such a stickler for consistency that even that, that one time in a 12 to 18 month period was enough to chase me off of the product. Um, and, and then I really started looking at an easier way. And I think through the ICMAG forums, i I saw, uh, super soil or something or some kind of a uh, post where somebody was saying, you never pH your water again or something of that nature, you know? And I was like, what This, this, I don't know, this doesn't make sense to me. And I started diving into subs, super soil mix. Right. <clears throat> and, and then I was like, well, shit, I'll, let me give it a shot, you know? And so I, I cooked up a, a batch of sub super soil. I did the whole cooking process um, loaded them up into 10 gallon pots and then and ended up putting those pots on top of the old current culture system. So once again, if somebody did a really deep scroll on my Instagram, you could probably see some of my first pictures or old pictures of that, that very first system that I did, uh, uh with the super soil. So anyway, I ran that super soil run. Uh, and I think I even believe that's on my YouTube channel, at um, you know, as some of my first videos and in there I had a VPD issue is before I understood vapor pressure deficit and I was and my room was running really dry. So the plants were very squat and stunted. Um, so they grew really unusual, uh, unusually small and bushy. So they looked really crazy. And, and I get a lot of comments like at six weeks of flower, they looked just huge and chunky, but they were just weird mutants. But the but the takeaway was. I didn't pH my water the whole time. Of course, my water coming in was carbon filtered city water. So I knew that it was in an appropriate range. I wasn't like watering in a crazy alkaline well water or something and it working. you know. So when I say I didn't have to pH my water, I didn't have to pH a nutrient formula that I was feeding to my plants. But the And I knew that I was getting neutral water, basically neutral from my tap. So not having to worry about that was a big factor um in me moving forward you know and and to be able to complete a full harvest a full run without phing and just using fresh water just using water only i was i was sold and the thing is is that midway through that cycle i i stumbled across the living soil thread um and what where it was it was a I i wish i could remember the the person who posted it but it was just a picture of this big beautiful just absolutely lush green plant i was envious of how gorgeous this plant looked you know just when i first looked at the at the picture i was like oh my god that's fucking beautiful man and the 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 caption or whatever for the picture was like this plant was fed nothing but straight water and its own fan leaves for the whole growth cycle. And it was like three weeks away from harvest. It was fucking beautiful. And I was like, this is impossible. Like I I didn't even understand. I didn't understand how that was, uh, you know, that that person could achieve, achieve results that I had never seen in, you know, many, many, many years of, of cultivating, you know, that his plant was so fucking radiant. I, I was, I, I, was completely fucking determined to figure out how he achieved that um and so that 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 picture sent me down the rabbit hole and i immediately um uh start went deep into the rabbit hole i think uh uh, build a soil at the time they they were um i don't know how long they had had their website up with a shit ton of information from coots Um, and about the coots mix and living soil and then the biology and the whole work so they a a huge credit to jeremy and build a soil because they allowed me to really kind of like just start to digest the important bits of the process and it allowed me to make informed decisions and my i scrapped all of that super soil because then i realized there was a lot of redundant uh, redundant, excessive, uh, nutrition in there that, you know, uh, and I'm not shitting on the, on the super soil recipe, but when it comes to living soil, you know, um, I, there's, there's key differences. And so I bought, um, the keep it simple soil from, uh, from Tad, uh, cause I'm up here in Washington state and, uh, and it's been rocking that ever since, man. And, and it's, uh, um, every cycle i'm on my 11th cycle now i took a year off so i would have had you know i'd probably be more around 15 or something um but i took a year off here at home to focus on my the outdoor hemp project that i was doing um so but now i'm uh, just you know mi- mi- about midway into my 11th cycle and still learning still loving it and 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 now really achieving um, every cycle it's like I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing more and more this this cycle the plants are just fucking you know I don't want to hex myself but they're they're booming out there they're looking beautiful and um, it's 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 super enjoyable to be in a space that's just thriving and, and not in a need for anything uh, and you can really feel it It's a cool it's a cool thing
0: So I can't help but wonder. <clears throat> in that timeout period, mm. when you came back, was it like, was the run after the timeout kind of like, hell yeah. And then did it kind of like ramp down? So basically I'm wondering, did it yeah, sit, why, you know, got great, why that it was taking a break, everything did its, no it no, again doing its thing. And No, you're no. bringing
1: up a, no, you're bringing up a really good point, And I, and I'll explain what happened. Um, had I kept the beds active for that year, I, and I, you know, what I mean by that is if I would have just left a, a cover crop in there and kept the lights going and kept the blue mats going, um, and and maintained the microbiome in there, um, then I would have been able to plug in cycle ten and it would have been booming, right? No problem. But I didn't do that. Um, I wasn't home at all for large chunks of time while I was working on the farm and when I was dealing with, uh, the harvest and all that. So I made the decision to literally shut the room down, down. I turned off all the lights, turned off all the climate control, um, shut the water off to the beds and let the beds go completely fallow. So what I had to do when I knew I was going to kickstart the beds again is, uh, about a month before I was anticipating putting my, the cycle 10 plants in, I got, I kicked up the room again. I got the uh, climate control going. I got the lights on. I got the water going to the beds and for about for a week or 10 days, I would go in and hand water, um, with the hose, uh, little doses to the bed because it was at that point it had gotten hydrophobic it was so dry um and so i really had to i i had to slowly uh, water the bed so it would reach field capacity kind of in this natural fashion where i wasn't washing it wasn't i wasn't flushing things out um so uh once I got the beds to field capacity after about 10 days, then I, I did some um, compost extracts um, where, you know, basically just uh, um, put compost or leaf litter into a 220 micron bag and just kind of dunked it into some in and out of some water um, and, and separated it just like water hash. Separated those microbes into a solution and then watered that into the beds to reintroduce a microbial population, um, and then and then planted new uh, cover crop and companion plants. And so I let that process take place for three weeks or so. And I think I think it took me a little longer to get the plant. So I, I was actually to a, able to establish a really healthy cover crop. But um, that being said, the biology numbers weren't. Um, Exactly where I wanted, and we were getting into winter, so I didn't have a source like my leaf litter source outside was not really accessible anymore. So I was just kind of riding with what I had. Um, And so my tenth cycle, it it was, um, I didn't get the, it was fine, you know, it it just, uh, I noticed that the growth rate wasn't as uh, as, um, fast and vigorous as it usually is. It took a while for the veg to kind of kick in. Um, and like the transplant shock, uh, not shock, but the transplant stress was more pronounced than usual. Whereas like this time in the 11th cycle, because the beds were up and kicking, in lots of biology happening now. Um, I've been putting my spent grain spawn in the bed. So there's lots of fungal activity, uh, And so now I didn't have any transplant stress. Like I I planted the new uh, cuttings in 11th cycle and they just, they just fucking took off. So 10th cycle, there was, there was those little kind of growth um, growth hurdles. And, you know, I think early on there was a little bit of aphid pressure. And once again, I think that that was uh, because of a uh, lack of biology. So the plants weren't getting all of the nutrition that it needed. So I was, I was getting low bricks numbers on my 10 cycle plants. And so now in eleven cycle, my bricks numbers are a little higher. There's absolutely no pest pressure this time. Um, and so to me it was just a real testament to the whole soil food web and healthy plants, um, being able to resist, um, you know, uh, pests, not, not, not necessarily eliminate the, the possibility of pests like, um, you know, uh, uh, there are some claims out there, which I find interesting, but I do think that healthy plants with high bricks are, are going to fare better than a plant with low bricks, um, you know, that it's maybe not as healthy. It's it, it, it's really just kind of um, common knowledge, I would think. Um, so I did notice that my 10 cycle plants uh, weren't optimal did great the yields were great the smoke is fantastic you know um it was just those little micro inefficiencies that i noticed and and uh i i honestly expected and anticipated them um, because it was my first cycle after kind of rebooting the beds um yeah i feel like i've been blabbing
0: no 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 i'm i'm sitting here enjoying it man okay cool you're you're a wealth. You're a wealth of knowledge, and I know myself and everybody else are just taking it all in. And I got <laughs> questions. I got questions. Cool got questions. Let's do it. Hopefully, that you don't mind. I know no, this is no, supposed man. to be more of a spotlight and not like q no. and A, Q&A, but
1: no, no. I figured I figured it was going to be Q and A, Q&A and so I'm cool with that. So, so hit it, hit me up.
0: So, with the I hear you talking about. Well, first of all, when I guess first things first. When you talk of a cycle, how big, how long of a, a lifespan are we talking? Because mm-hmm. when I when I do things, things around here are a little different. You know, obviously sure. I'm in a veg. I have yep. a veg and a flower. I work yep. way, my way through. So is yep. your cycle from start to finish? Veg through flower is that a cycle or would you speak of a flower just a flower a
1: great question and i think that that's uh dependent on your particular circumstance in that room so so like my cycles at home um include the veg stage because i veg and then flower in the same in the same four by eight bed um whereas like i believe and i and if i'm wrong i've got no problem being corrected but i believe. Steve with, at Green Life Productions, their bloom room is strictly bloom and they transplant fully vegged plants into their bloom room and then they just go right into bloom. So his cycle, if I was calling his cyclist, it would be just his bloom phase. That's what I would call. So like when he says I'm at cycle 24. I don't think he's including the veg because that's happening in another room. So it's his his bloom room is on its 24th cycle. That's my understanding of how I've interpreted his social media. Um, I don't know his, his situation personally, so I, I'm not speaking in definitively. That's just kind of how I've perceived it. But myself at home, and that's how it'll happen for us at Ohio Fire Factory, this facility that we're working on. Um, it's going to be the same way. Um, a cycle is going to be a bloom cycle so that's going to be you know eight to nine week an eight to nine week cycle um at home it's longer than that it's the regular eight to nine week bloom but it's also a three week to four week veg depending on you know uh the growth rate of the veg and how many plants i got in there whatever variables but so my cycle is considerably longer here because i am including a veg
0: yeah i think that's a key to know to be honest with you because when i'm thinking about cycles i'm thinking about time time periods Mm -hmm. and then a time period on on a uh on a bed like that in the cycle flower cycles obviously shorter Mm -hmm. more times in the time span and i would think more brutal on the bed you know what i mean i i would think the the flower cycle would be is in, in, in speaking in cycles would be more brutal uh, depleting the soil on it through those cycles versus you know uh one cycle being half a light veg and mm. then flour you know depleting it a little heavier later on
1: yeah um, yeah i mean that that would be an interesting um Deep dive for some of these guys that are really into like doing the soil paste and, and the chemistry, the soil chemistry analysis, and the plant sap analysis. Um, we we dabbled into some of that. We we actually hired an agronomist, um, a, a professional agronomist who you know has, has managed ten thousand acres and and has you know developed acreage from sagebrush land. Like you know like he the guy knows his shit. And so we were like, man, we you know we'd love to bring you on, you know, uh, and and help us manage like kind of our soil fertility and let us know where we're at uh, from a, a chemistry standpoint. You know, um, I, I I was prepared to to do what I needed to do to understand the biological side, but I didn't understand the chemistry side. And frankly, and it's going to sound terrible, but I'm really just disinterested in it. The, the <laughs> That like the organic chemistry side is just like I just like zone the fuck out. I, I've got no interest in it. Um and and there's plenty of people that do and are great with it and and uh, they can have it. <laughs> I'll I'm gonna focus, you know, and I'm not saying there's no place for it, but I know what what works for my brain and, and what doesn't. And so I know when to bring someone else on for those things. And so that's what that was his role. And so they, he was doing really cool stuff, like you know checking um, the nutrition the you know the uh, the chemistry levels in the soil, and then what was actually in the plant, and then juxtapositioning that data to see what was actually mobile in the plant from from the ground. you know so there was a lot of cool data points that that came from from that whole process, but um, yeah. I don't know where I was going with that. was a ramble.
0: So I just want to. I just want to say it doesn't sound shitty, in uh, in my view. To right. with you. <laughs> okay, it good. sounds no. Seriously, it sounds very masterful in my opinion. And, and that may sound silly to you, but yeah, in my opinion, a little. it's very, it very, it's very masterful mm. because it, to to have a winning plan is knowing that you don't know oh sure that yeah second secondly you you know to have i'm a a big i like uh napoleon napoleon hill uh and he he talks about having a mastermind circle Mm. and part of having a mastermind circle is knowing that you don't Fucking know everything or you don't give a shit about everything but you know that's part of the equation and you that's why i'm saying you're wise you you know it's part of the equation you don't give a shit but you know you got to have a guy on your team for that
1: yeah well i've got a credit you know i've got a credit um there's a gentleman that was uh, a member of our team for that uh big 2900 acre hemp grow his name is eric um and he is a uh, high level, like fortune 500 CEO coach. And we got fortunate enough to have him on the team because he's the husband of our in-house counsel, right? Our in-house attorney. And so he kind of came as kind of a package deal. We brought, we brought him on too because he would, he would literally follow us around with spiral notebooks all day long while we're doing our business and just fucking taking notes on everything. And then we would meet, we'd meet up and he would talk to us about, you know, um, effective communication and understanding, you know, uh, team members, strengths and weaknesses and leveraging strengths. Like he, he really helped me look at things that I hated about myself. Like I'm uh, the hypercritical nature. And then I've got this, I've got this ability and he, he calls it an ability to look around corners, but, my other business partners would be like, Oh, he's just being negative. When I wasn't, I'm not being negative. I have this like terrible part of my brain that tries to figure out everything that can go fucking wrong and what we can do, you know, to fix those things were they to come up and how likely is one to happen over the other. So, you know, in my mind, before I met Eric, I hated that part about myself because I always felt negative. I always felt like I was seeking out the negative and it, and it really felt terrible. And then people who I worked with would kind of vibe on that too until I met Eric and he was like, dude, that's a beautiful fucking gift. Are you kidding me? Like you need to groom that man. And the people and the people around you need to just accept it because you know, that's, that's a gift that some people don't have, you know, like the, the ability to, to, literally put, and that's why people don't like it because you have to put yourself in a losing position to figure out a way out of it before it happens. So um, what I'm getting at is that he speak, he spoke to that very same thing that you're, you know, that you're talking about and that I'm carrying forward in everything that I'm doing is that like like understanding what your strength is first off, and then understanding your limits in that, and then hopefully you can curate a team, that where that kind of, that kind of thinking is welcome. And, and, you know, like, like my team knows my weaknesses, and they don't dare put me in that situation, unless it's for like, you know, an exercise, it's like, it's something that I want to do, or we need to do as a team, you know, that they know what my weaknesses are, communicating, um, like cold calling, you know, uh, dealing with pesky, you know, uh, 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 anybody of a, of a pesky nature, I, I got really short fuse with. You know, so they knew what situations to to not insert me in, and then what what were in what were situations where I, I could leverage my strengths. And I knew that of that same thing of my teammates as well. And so that's the hardest part is that any big operation requires a team. You cannot have unless you're some fucking Elon Musk, eccentric, crazy, super genius. Um, you, and even then you're going to be so eccentric, you're not gonna be able to handle the personal skills that you need to, to keep a ship like that going. So you absolutely have to have a team, you know, for, for, for any kind of sizable project. Um, and, and that's why a lot of big projects fail, you know, because you end up not having a team, you have kind of a dictatorship and, and this weird hierarchy. You know, the, the, the times that I've been around where we can actually develop a good, strong team are the where you have the most chances of success, for sure.
0: You know, you're absolutely right. And, you know, you can't even throw, you know, much respect to old Elon Musk, is very genius dude, and anybody <laughs> in his boat, but even he isn't doing it by himself 100%. anybody to that. Because yep. even if he were the only one doing a large scale like that, yep. he'd be hindering himself yep. in so many ways. Yep. Yep. There's, you know, he might as well be utilizing his talents in other ways and having people under him do smaller things. So he could be doing greater things for the greater good. He yeah. Be hindering himself. Yeah.
1: You know? Yeah. 100%. That was another thing that Eric was saying about, uh, about me is like, you know, it was like, Hey, look, you know, um, you need to take time to sit there and stare at the wall and think and, and do, you know, and, and we want to give you that time. So nobody's ever going, to if you're sitting there, you know, we know that you're not sitting there doing nothing. We know that your brain is working overtime. So when, when we see that happening, we're going to give you that leeway and we'll find other people to do whatever needs to happen. So, it is really kind of a cool, uh, a highly unusual situation and we really lucked out having this kind of really high level. I can't say the names of the companies and people that he's worked with, but you would know every single one of them. And some of the personalities he's worked with are household names. Um, and so it, it was very, very, very fortunate to be able to spend a good solid year to 12 months, I mean 12 to 18 months with the guy um and and i really picked up a lot uh, uh a lot of business savvy a lot of personal um communication skills you know a, a, and so i highly encourage people to think on that mindset if they're working um on building any anything of value and substantial any kind of legacy project that you pan o- plan on passing on to your kids like it has to start with a solid foundation and that foundation is your team and, and, you know, unless it's unless you think you could go it alone. But the, you're, the, the deck stacked against you at that point.
0: So there's something else about who putting together that team, too, that I've found. You know what I mean? The, yeah. Maybe you can find some truth to this as well. <laughs> when you're putting together the team, if you're the smartest guy on the fucking team, it's time for a new fucking team. Yeah, <laughs> you should yeah. be surrounding yourself with cats that are making you pull pull you forward, not necessarily. One. You're the top dog, and you you're putting together some support.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. Well, then you find in in like just your daily routine interactions with these people who like like this Eric guy, man, like a genius, literal genius. Like he he passed his, the bar and could have become a lawyer. His wife's a lawyer. They met in law school. And, um, but he was like, fuck it. I don't want to be a lawyer. He's like, I'm just going to just do the CEO coaching thing. And so that's what he does. Cause that's what his heart's at. And that's what he's really good at. He's good at organization. And, and um, you know, so, uh, like I said, can't, can't, can't speak enough good things about the guy and about, um, the process, you know, uh, um, the The process that is uh, um, developing anything substantial, any kind of any kind of business that's going to have longevity, you know, you just it has to start with that foundation.
0: It's awesome that you give credit to the people around you too, bro.
1: Oh um, yeah, it's it, it, it's the way it goes, man. I appreciate that. Totally.
0: So, my next question is with this, with my living organic bed, would be how far ahead do I need to think? Of, you know, I'm here in Utah 10, 11, possibly 15 cycles. How far ahead do I need to think when I'm putting my bed together? I'm asking this question because, you know, in time, you know, things that bed's growing through time. You've you got, <laughs> cover crops you're putting down right. I'm yeah. sure it's puffing up with time yep. you're building yep. your own humus layer is sure. there a time that when it comes to where you go I need to take this bed apart cut it in half you know bring it back down to you know a level and let it rebuild uh does is that a thing or no
1: no I mean no I think that um I think that if you I don't know the exact rates of human actual humus layer accumulation. So, um, it's, it's like a quarter of an inch in hundreds of years or something. I mean, it's some kind of ridiculously slow process to build that humus layer. So my understanding, you know, like I've still got, um, I was going to drop a hot joint, just a sec. Um, my, Uh, I've still got a good three or four inches on my, in my fabric pots, you know, and I don't think that I would get to the top in my lifetime. So, so, so um, you don't have to look too far ahead in the future. You know, like when I first started my bed, I didn't look past my first cycle um, because I was just really interested in what was happening at that moment. Um, this, you know, I had these beautiful beds in the space, you know, now, and it felt really right. And the plants really responded to the, the fact that they were in the beds. And at that point in time, I had learned better about vapor pressure deficit um, based on that, that super soil grow that was really dry. And I was like, ah, I was racking my brain of what was going on, why my plants were so stunted. And then I, I figured it out. Um, and, uh, so that, that first cycle was just, you know, I wasn't thinking about cycle 10, you know, I think I, you know, I knew of like mountain organics who at that time had like 10 cycle plants that were in 10 gallon containers. And I was just like, this is un- unfucking believable. It, it, that seemed just like a completely lofty unattainable thing. I was so enthralled in where I was at with cycle one. Um, and the process that, you know, that's, that's really, I didn't really look forward any further than that, you know, and then every, every cycle, I, you know, as I'm picking up information and and learning, um, I made, uh, little tweaks to how I, um, process the garden and, and, and usually it led to me doing less, you know, um, and I started it from a very minimalist, uh, perspective and approach and i and i did that very intentionally um i think i just wanted to kind of prove the concept I mean, you know like i said that that picture of the plant that was grown with just water and shade leaves and then look i understand that there's nutrient in the soil and that, that when you say something was grown with water only um some people are take take exception to that like like there's an attempt at being disingenuous or or you know I, And it's, I just never really look, we, we all understand that there's nutrient value in the soil, but when I say what I'm saying, when I used to say water only, I meant that I'm not mixing any nutrient in. I'm not, you know, all that my root zone is getting is water from the time my plants hit the soil to the time I harvest them. That what's going through those blue mat drippers is fresh water. That's it. No teas, no fucking tonics, no mumbo jumbo nothing just water and 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 i did that for a reason and and it was to illustrate that what was happening below the soil between that that interaction between the plant and the and the microbes at the rhizosphere was driving everything right and and that was um that was my intention that was my clear intention and i and so it's been it's been easy to not deviate from it because the method has been very cut and dry, very simple, you know, I will do a foliar of kelp and aloe once a week in early in veg and maybe the first two weeks of early flower I do a JDAM wedding agent foliar as an IPM early in veg um, but usually like once obviously once they're in flower um, I don't do anything. And and if I had to, like we had that little bit of aphid pressure on cycle 10, I got predatories, I got them on early enough that they were able to handle the problem. You know, I think I had one little pocket where he had some ladybug larva, you know, but it's my personal smoke and I don't give a fuck. You know, I, if I got to pick a ladybug larva off a bud or two, it's not the end of the world. I'd much rather do that than deal with aphids or some kind of toxic spray or something. So um that being said uh uh it's um it's i'm still doing it that way so if i if i'm deploying biology to the beds at all it's happening in between cycles so you know i've got a vermicompost station going in my in my place now so i'm i'm it's been the winter months and I haven't been able to start a, a good bio complete compost pile outside. Those take a while. So I'm just basically cold composting with organic compost that I've kind of store-bought and then amended with kelp um, and oyster shell. And then I'm basically, that's the what the worms are processing in my vermicomposting station. So I'm not using table scraps. Those are mostly water, you end up have dealing with fruit flies and all that kind of shit. I've learned that lesson. So we're just sticking with the super cold vermicomposting. Those worms are awesome little bioreactors. Um, they're literally consuming the microbes, concentrating them in their gut and shitting them out. It's like, you can't get, it's, it's awesome. You know, it's a great source of biology and it's easy to have. It doesn't take up a very big footprint. And so um, I'll be utilizing that biology source to um, make sure that the my biology levels in my beds are are appropriate, and I'm doing that through direct microscopy, you know, so i utilizing the microscope uh, to um, analyze and quantify and identify some of the soil food web, you know, um, cohorts uh, like the nematodes, whether they're bacterial feeding or root feeding, you know, the good guys or bad guys. Um, so uh, that those are skill sets that I didn't have cycle one. Um, shit, I didn't have them cycle nine, so it, it's uh, uh, it's a now I just have a, a clearer window to look through um, when analyzing my my system, uh, and uh, it's it's been worth every penny to me to to have that. It, it was not necessary to knock it out of the park beforehand. You know, I was able to grow awesome without the scope, and um, you just trusting the system. And trusting the process, uh, there's no problem with doing it that way. I, I did it that way for, you know, uh, 10 cycles and uh, nine cycles and did just fine. So um, this kind of like uh, there, for a while, there was some push pull against the microscopy and, you know, that that it's unnecessary and, you know, in a sense it is unnecessary, but it is a great tool and, and it gives And when I'm looking through like my, my uh, compost extracts or whatever it's nice to look in there and see that it has the protozoa it has the things that i need and i'm not questioning now when i put a compost extract in in between cycles whether it's got the protozoa it's got the nematode count that i that i need you know um i want and now i can i can look at that and and uh, and get that answer for myself and it's, it's a valuable uh, data point
0: So I can't help but wonder, I got a couple questions, A, about composting and uh, so one, I can't help but wonder, yeah, I heard you I, You know, mention aphids, you know, cannabis and aphids, which mm-hmm. is a common problem there. Yep. Can you actually, you know, with that in mind, when you're amending your soil, kind of mend it in twofold? You know what i mean uh both nutrient and with penth pest defense in mind so you, can you add like say coffee grounds which you know oh, sure uh aphids don't like i mean could 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 you aim with that being part of uh, ipm being part of that and mixing up coffee grounds and maybe you know eggshells sure are good for the soil as well but i imagine as you know a pest man management they have to have some benefits as well it seemed like pests wouldn't want to crawl through them
1: yeah yeah i mean those are all those are all um i think that the the good thing about farming or or, you know even at at any scale even if no matter where you're at with if you're cultivating we'll just say cultivating is a is a more appropriate term farming just kind of gives this like grandiose kind of feeling but but when you're cultivating um so i don't want to disclude the guys that are doing little things you know um when you're cultivating you have uh every kind of right to try those things you know and and i've never thought you know i never thought about uh using utilizing coffee grounds in that way i i will add them to of the vermicompost because that's a really good uh thing to add um but uh You know, I think that trying those type of things and then just once again, like we talked about early on, like uh, taking note, you know, even if you're not writing the notes down, but you're taking a mental note and you're understanding what's happening, whether it's a net positive, a net neutral or a negative, um, you know, and then refining it, refining the process. You know, there's always going to be a way you can tweak it. Um, But what I've found from my studies and from my practical applications is that, you know, uh, there's been a lot of people way smarter than me that have spent way more hours um, thinking of these problems and what they've come up with, you know, are at least what I've been able to uh, understand is that the biology plays such a huge role. And that the, uh, the more biologically diverse and active and complete your soil is, um, the better chance you have at fending off those um, pathogenic and, and pests um, because there's just no room for them. You know, like as soon as a, you get any kind of uh, insect larva in a healthy soil, it's done for. You know, you got nematodes that are going to get the really small larvae. You got microarthropods that are getting them at the later stage, the pupa stage or whatever it is, you know. And so um, as long as you've got that a, a, a complete biology in and, and, and adequate numbers, those things just don't stand a chance. And that's why cycle 10, my cycle 10 le- kind of lend itself as a testament to that um, because I knew my biology numbers were low um, because my beds have been fallow. And I was just, I just started to reintroduce the biology. I knew that uh, a complete biology package was really going to happen once the plants started growing and their exudates were contributing to the whole process, you know, because until that was happening, until the cover crop was actually going, you know, the biology was pretty minimal in there, you know, it was mainly bacteria. And so, um, it took that tenth cycle for biology, you know, for those big plants to be rocking and kicking in there, and all the um, all the cover crop doing their thing. And so now, you know, just literally like three months later, I'm planting cycle eleven, and things are just glorious, like it, it's radiant in there, and not a not a hint of any kind of problem, which is super interesting. I was afraid, you know, I, I had the aphids wiped out but I was afraid there was going to be some kind of carryover but once again this high bricks low bricks thing and and I know that the people take exception to it but there's this absolutist mind frame that you know I think that um and I've and I've been guilty of it you know I think I even have it on my highlights 12 bricks are better and bye-bye press pressure and what I mean by bye-bye press pressure isn't like see you forever but you know it greatly reduces and 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 that's and that's a common observation amongst a lot of cultivators that i know that who actually read their bricks and now that's a slippery slope too because you know you can get varying bricks readings from different times of the day um you know so the standard practice is to just pick a time of the day because you're trying to get a data set right you're trying to find an arc um of where your plant is with their, with their sugars, you know, and more, more appropriately, the complex sugar, a complex carbohydrate. And so um, if you're taking it at different times of the day, then obviously you're going to have your data is going to be as valuable as that, you know, it's going to be very, very, very variable. But if you're taking it at the same time of the day, you at least have an idea of the stability or whatever. And for a while I was taking them at lights on and then taking one at lights off and seeing the differences. And then, you know, usually there wasn't very much I haven't noticed inside a difference at all. So I just take mine in the morning within the first hour of lights on. And, um, that's when I've decided to take my breaks. So, um, yeah, I went on a breaks tangent. Sorry. (laughs)
0: So with bricks, with with that subject being said, you know, I heard you one, you know, talk about it being low. Do you address Mm -hmm. that with say a compost that is in, you know, sugar rich? Yeah, I mean, do you- Well, you know, it depends. If if bricks is important in your garden and you're building your compost, are you Mm -hmm. building your compost with fruits and, sugary based you know compost
1: sure yeah and, and that's that's a that's a really common uh, thought process and i think um my my thinking on it based on what i've learned um is that basically it's a it's a biological imbalance that's l- lending to improper nutrient uptake um, which is which is causing um uh, what should be complex carbohydrates uh, instead being made into simple, uh, single chain carbohydrates, um, which don't register as healthy plant sugars when you do the bricks. So, um, yeah, uh, man, I'm really sorry. I have two joints into this, I usually don't smoke this much. Uh, oh
0: man, what and was I, the no, what was the question? More serious than I, you know. I would usually take this. Okay, cool. (laughs) Cool.
1: I feel kind of like a stoner right now. But uh, it's, uh, you know, I don't live and die by the bricks. Once again, it's just like the uh, microscope. It's just a data point. You know, it's nice to see, like, it's nice to have a, a number when my plants are really healthy and happy and active. It's nice to have a number you know, and uh, uh, a column to kind of associate that, the state that plant is with this kind of number. It, it, well, just like the scope, I was able to grow for years without a Briggs meter. Um, I would be able to grow just fine without it now um, because, you know, I, uh, we're just in touch, in tune with our plants and understand the processes a little greater and more as we go along. But I like having that data point. Um, and I think that uh, in order to increase, which is what, you were, what the original question was, was to, in order to increase those BRICS numbers, I would address the biology. Um, so my cycle 10 BRICS numbers were low, and that's because my, bi- my bacteria populations were high. My um, fungal populations were not as high as I wanted them. But really what wasn't present was my, the protozoa, was the nematodes and the things that actually eat the bacteria and fungi that cycle the nutrients. Those weren't present in adequate numbers. So I had to buy uh, nematodes and and put them in um, after cycle 10. You know, I added it, did like a nematode infusion and then um, the uh, compost extract. And and that's how I got my biology numbers back up um, along with just cycle 10 and all the cover crop and companion plants and the, the, the cash crop itself um, cycling its exudates into the soil and enriching the soil in, on its own for a three month period. So, you know, mm-hmm. those just that just the act of the plant, the, the plants growing in it are, are what brings soils through those levels of succession, you know, from a, a, a weedy prairie grassland to you know a weedy prairie thorn bush acreage then all of a sudden it's growing seasonal grasses then it's growing more woody shit and then you know 100 years later it's fungal dominated you know you can those same type of things can happen in you know a, a very slow very small scale in your room when you have plants growing in there it's enriching the soil it's changing the it's changing the chemistry or what's at least what's available in the soil uh um and it's changing the structure and the texture all of that and and it happens very fast you know it it it, you think it's not but you know a three-month time frame to me that's fast (laughs) you know to go from fallow concrete dry beds to three months later you know i was able to grow and pull off a crop in that three months too you know, but uh, after that three-month period, we're like homeostasis again. The bed is just fucking kicking.
0: So I have a question from chat, and I, I, am gonna ask because I, I think it's a pretty good question to be honest yeah. with you. The Major General 420 Army says, "Kiss has no sand in it." Does Josh believe he has a soil or a modified?
1: soil or a modified peat well that's a good question i mean if you know i believe it had a compost component in it i'd have to go back and see what what that was but even if so at first it probably was a a peat um and the system relied on the dry nutrient pack that was there and available um because um that super soil blend it's not super soil, that living soil blend did come and he does recommend that you use a nutrient pack to kind of re-amend this soil but the way i've treated it with adding compost and then these successive layers of um, cover crops and whatever so there's a lot of organic matter um, in in that bed and so i think know that i'm going to be moving forward with only using biology from this point and and that will be the testament to whether um dr Elaine's soil food web works in these uh modified soil you know mixed soils that aren't kind of native soil i didn't dig the dirt up so is there a high concentration of sand silt and clay which is what he's getting at um i I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I don't think so. I don't know how to answer that. My guess is that it's obviously not going to have near as much uh, of those things as a native soil would have. Um, But organic matter um, has a lot of nutrient locked up in it as well. And so I think that if you have a lot of organic matter, I do, there is a lot of pumice and um, biochar in that KISS blend. So, you know, I think I'm not worried moving forward with a biological approach, so I will not be amending my beds with dry minerals and nutrients um, for the foreseeable future. I'm, I plan on just adding the vermicompost, um, whether, whether I'm going to add the vermicompost like as, as a layer, uh, like a top dress in between cycles, along with doing an extract and inserting the biology that way I'm, I'm adding some organic matter to the beds as well and not just biology i think that's going to be the method that i'm taking and i'm interested to see um, if yields are different over time or if what i understand of the soil food web to be true is that as long as you have biology and you have um you know enough organic matter in your uh your soil in your parent material then there's going to be enough npk for any crop to grow and i know that's a tough pill for some folks to swallow it sounds like mumbo jumbo um but i'm here to try it and i'm not afraid to try it and i think that that it's worth it and it it is a good question and it's worth noting um is there going to be a difference in these pre-mixed kind of living soil um systems or um, over an outdoor system where there's an abundance of uh, sand, silt, and clay. Yeah, I may get to a point where I have to um, amend with uh, glacial rock dust or something for the mineral content or something. And and I'm fully accepting of that and prepared to to do that if I needed to.
0: So aren't they, you know, again, I'm completely new to... The living organic systems mm-hmm. building your soil systems but you know even if you were all in 100 percent peat
1: mm-hmm. okay
0: mm-hmm. flat out you're turning it into a living organ a living system aren't by just adding the vermicompost aren't you in fact adding you know basically your rock dust and sand through the vermicompost? I would you think know, so. They...
1: Yeah, I would think so. Like I'm not an expert on, on, on that by any means. And I'm just kind of dabbling in the, doing it myself. I've had small pass through vermicomposting things for, at various levels of success, but I've never been, I've never <coughs> sustained one and and kept one that, that served an actual purpose that was important. And that's what this is to me now. So I'm just kind of going down this road. Um, I wish like, like Clackamas Coot would be a really good resource. Like he knows his worm shit. Um, but I think, I, I think that there would, that that's the value of, of the casting itself is what's, what's being passed through. Um, because my understanding is that the worms really what they're eating is the bacteria off of, the organic matter that they're really not wanting to eat the organic matter but sometimes it just makes it in and that's what and that's what their um their shit ends up becoming that casting is those little bits of organic matter that they incidentally consumed while hoovering up all the microbes off the outside of it right and that's what they're really eating is the, is the biology and then they Uh, it all consolidates in their gut in this mucusy mass and then it ejects that then they eject the um the uh, fucking organic matter debris that it wasn't digesting because it was eating the uh, the bacteria and shit so uh it stands to reason that that's you know that's why the um earthworm castings is, has substance, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, there's something there, you know, and so uh, it stands to reason that if you if you've got, like, I feed my worms, the diatomaceous earth, um, they're, they're mowing through the compost. And so uh, it's, it, to me, it stands to reason that there's going to be a lot of those things that are needed by the plant, those trace minerals, um, right there in, and we, we already know this, that, that it's there and available in the um, earthworm casting. So, like I said, I'm I'm willing to um, to to see, and I'm looking forward to because, uh, like I said, I've just learned this information about the soil food web and and my understanding of how um, plants or, or how nutrient is pulled from um, soil and organic matter and, and those type of things. So, I'm I'm interested to see how that um, plays out in my beds at home. Uh, so. Fully, fully prepared for to have to amend them at some point, but I was under amending anyway to begin with, and my yields never changed. Um, We did, uh, you know, yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to
0: see how it goes uh, moving forward. What uh, strains are you looking to put in some of them bags? What uh, strains are you excited about currently?
1: Well, right now I'm, I'm testing, um, a bunch, I'm testing some, uh, well, I'm running some Trilado, a buddy of mine, a good friend of the family. He's been breeding for years. Um, a legacy grower himself. He comes from a family of growers, um, and, uh, a, a brilliant breeder, man. And, and I've been trying to get him to go public with this Trilado seeds. And I was even like, man, I'll turn my room into a seed you know let's just let's just do seeds man like you, this shit is incredible like i am such a picky bastard and this trilado is is damn near perfection for me it's uh, all gas smells like burning bicycle tires the parent genetics are um triangle kush a lemon skunk and gelato and um he popped he said he he popped dozens and dozens of of these uh crosses of the, of that three-way cross and this one trilado was like a freak of nature it came out completely different than everything else it's uh it was the golden ticket style one you know like it it, it uh none of the other ones had the same turp profile they're all they're all Um, very different. And it was just this one kind of mutant. And so he was able to keep a hold of it a year or so ago before I shut the rooms down. uh, My cycle nine was the Trilato and that was his test batch of that shit. And it was hands down the best stuff I've ever grown, the best stuff I've ever smoked. And right now, three weeks into flower and I can smell those terps, and I'm just every day I'm salivating. Uh, so the Trilato is big on my list right now. Um, that's going to have a place in my garden for a long time. Um, he has a cherry cookies cross with Trilato that he says is better. I don't believe him. I don't know how it's possible, but he says it's better. I got a couple of those going, so we're going to see what's up with those. Um, I've got a couple of the Bay Area runts. I know it's a hypey, uh, but he had them, and I was like, fuck it. Let's try it. Let's, uh, let's see what the hype's about. Uh, it's kind of a fruity thing and I'm not really into the fruity, so I don't know. Um, that one might go to the wife and the oldest kid or something, (laughs) but, uh, the, uh, um, the, uh, and then I've got two testers, like a Dole Whip and Dilly Bar. And those are uh, a couple of white truffles crosses, um, going on right now. So I think, I think I'm going to just going to be, uh, doing a lot of testing for my buddy because he's fucking pumping out the fire and. And as long as I'm testing, he's got cuts. So it saves me from having to do any kind of cuts or any kind of veg, secondary bedroom. And I'll just happily run testers for him. Um, And when he's ready to run seed of that trilotto and go public, I think we could crush it, man. I I would love to see this cut in other people's gardens and, and I would love for them to experience. There's only like, I could count the number of people who've been able to experience this true trilotto, at least in my circle, on both hands and it's a fucking shame because it's uh it's incredible
0: so uh a little off topic but man i can't help but notice you've got some pretty sweet ink over there chief
1: oh Uh, yeah (laughs) yeah you know i worked with a cat um his name is Jonathan Smith, so you can look. You guys look him up on IG, Johnny Smith Art, and maybe Johnny Smith Tattoo. Um, Jonathan Smith, fuck, he he's he's popular. He's got like seventy three thousand IG followers or whatever. He, he and he's a, a really well known tattoo guy now. But when he first moved um, from Alabama to Ashland, Oregon, where we were living at the time, we worked at the same place and. Uh, I was growing herb, of course, and I was able to trade him herb for sessions and, uh, was able to get, you know, a full sleeve and, and half 50, 60% of another one. Um, and, you know, and it was a, a great deal. And I got some neck work done too, but, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was, it was a good deal, man. He, and it was, a uh, he was a great guy and, now his skills are absolutely unbelievable. These are like almost 20 years old now. They may be a little older. Look
0: great. <laughs> it's crazy Fox, They look
1: great for 20 years. Man. Yeah, they're, they're old, man. They've had them for a spell. But the, my hand ones are new. Those, uh, those are new. But, but yeah, man, I, I got the tattoo itch. That's for
0: sure. Does it stop right there on your arms? Or what you said you got These go name. up
1: to here. I've got a I've got uh two um Colt uh, handguns here, uh, and then on my neck I've got some uh, Colt ha- Colt pistols. Um, and then yeah, I've got a, quite a few tattoos. I think I, I think when we figured it all out it was something like 40 hours of
0: work or something. Something like nice, that. Nice. Yeah, with that big old beard, I wouldn't have guessed. I yeah, knew, to be honest with you, I wouldn't. Yeah, have guessed they're in the, there.
1: Yeah. There, yeah, and there's like, they go all the way back. If they start here. You can see the handle there, and then they point back, and then the barrels are back, kind of underneath my ear. But uh, right, uh, that's a rare sighting, man. If you'd have to know me for quite a while, or or, or be pretty close to me to see those, because I'll i shave occasionally, but it grows back so fast, um, you don't. You rarely get a chance to see the guns. <laughs>
0: you you're so uh you seem very laid back you know the guns seem like uh, uh i wouldn't i wouldn't have expected the guns yeah
1: well uh well man i i really picked up an affinity for them in the military right so um i did some uh spe- special weapons courses um foreign weapons course and so i really uh got good with the pistol and got good with just marksmanship and weapons handling in general so um you know i i fucking love firearms and and i'm an owner of several um you know uh and um i think it's a a a lost art and a valuable skill you know it might not be necessary anymore these days but um maybe one day it will be you know and and you know uh, it's just uh i think it's one of those it's one of those lost arts that are, is really in danger we're in danger of losing it so i'm definitely going to be passing down the marksmanship traits and skills to my kids you know we already started with like very low feet per second bb gun you know marksmanship handling that kind of shit and as they get older we'll move into um um you know uh, age appropriate uh increases in in um power you know um but but it all the foundation being the mark the uh, weapons handling um proficiency and all that so uh you know i think um yeah i love firearms so yeah it's one of those things that definitely throws folks off but uh yeah i kind of like it that way
0: yeah Uh, you know (laughs) just a little uh Just because I would have never seen that on you. Well, I don't, I wouldn't have necessarily seen that coming by the demeanor. Right. And just another person, I didn't see uh, that uh, in their demeanor as well. And I'm just kind of giving you this because uh, uh, it's good to know sometimes uh, a common bond. Yeah. Especially when there's another common bond that can be like a double useful edge. Yeah, absolutely. Matthew Gates. Oh, uh, the that IPM kid. around <laughs> yeah. the that, that is in big time into weapons. Oh, that's I great. I was was talking to me about IPM and I'm like what yeah. else are you into and we kind of went off into a side tangent totally into weapons.
1: Oh, I bet I mean, he's, like I bet he's brilliant just, with those. I really like that yeah. kid, man. I like that kid a lot. Um we we, you know, I, I, he, we've had a differing opinion, and I can't say that I have a differing opinion because our intelligence levels are so different. I mean, that guy is fucking brilliant. So it's for me to say that I have a differing opinion with him is that's a stretch, you know. Like I, I like John Kemp's idea once again. Back to go to the bricks thing. I like john Kemp and arden anderson's idea that if you have a high enough bricks level high enough uh, proper carbohydrates in your in your plants then you can eliminate pest pressure i really like the sound of that and and you know and i and i i respect um their the work that they've put in in the industry i don't think that they're hacks necessarily right so Um, what the information that I've been to a couple of Arden Anderson's uh, talks personally in person, I've read a couple of the John Kemp's books and, and understand um, you know, a very rudimentary level, his, his uh, ideologies or whatever. And, and I know that Matthew uh, had, you know, is like basically without saying no fucking way saying no fucking way. like, that's impossible. You know, that just doesn't work that way. And, and I, I, I'm not in a place to argue with him because he, he puts, lays out very scientific, you know, uh, uh, points and, and I respect and honor his, um, his level of, uh, you know, um, intelligence and, and credibility in that realm. So I'm, you know, I definitely, just cause I like the idea of what John Kemp has to say doesn't mean I'm going to thumb my nose at, at this guy who's saying, no, that's not right. You know, I think, it's too easy for us to kind of take things personal and I didn't take it personal. at all. I actually appreciate his perspective. And anytime we've talked about it, it's, it's been mutually respectful. I have just have a, I can't say enough really good things about the guy. I, I, I I really value his um, uh, input into the community at large and just, you know, overall his overall demeanor and, and the way he carries himself very professional Really bright kid. I say kid because he, he looks young and I feel old. <laughs> so that's the only reason why I'm calling him a kid. But I, I just think he's a brilliant guy, man. Right. And um, so yeah. Matthew, you're awesome, brother. There's and to know he knows and way. The, the weapons is great, man. I bet he's just like knows his shit. <laughs>
0: There's no way you should feel old. 46, (laughs) if I remember hearing right, is not old. It's not old, my friend. Not even close. No, you're right. I'm actually, I have years on you. I have years on you. I'm I'm 49. I'm 49. So. You're looking good, man. You don't look like it, though thanks Ooh. but there's no there's no way at all i am gonna tell myself at any point i'm old i keep telling <laughs> I need myself to, i need to
1: i need to do that because i i feel old sometimes and i'm just like oh my god but i i it is a mantra and if you say it too much you know you will become it True. well man i so, should probably bounce man i would you know i think it's uh
0: I'm getting to my my two hour point oh man you've been more than gracious awesome. with your time i can't yeah, thank you it. enough for coming on doing this this is your second second appearance on the channel so i have no no bitches at all man you have donated a ton of time already to what goes on in this community and if i let you off on a good note maybe you'll donate some more time oh definitely sometime in the future yeah definitely man it was a pleasure stay stay on that good foot there is a couple of things that well one of them you should know by now this zoom number is always the same Okay. If there's ever a wormhole on and you feel like popping on and schooling us or just popping on and hanging out and burning yeah. the joint with us. Yeah, absolutely. And making us feel cool that we've got an excellent guest with us. No. Uh, that'd be awesome.
1: Oh, I appreciate the, that, man. I really do.
0: The other thing I'd like to get from you before you go, is just the sound bite that I like to get from the rest of my guests. I think you know what that's about. Uh Basically, what I'm looking to get from you is, hey, this is Joshua Steensland, and I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle, episode three thirty nine. You can add whatever you want to it. You yeah, can cut it off there.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay.
0: Hey, I'm this is Joshua. Where you are?
1: All right, cool. Hey, this I'm is Joshua sorry. Steensland, This is Joshua Steensland, and I'm on fucking talking shit with the Eagle, episode three thirty nine, three thirty nine.
0: Yes, fucking a. Thank you very much, man. man. You my pleasure. Awesome guy, awesome, full of full of knowledge. You've done huge things in this community. Uh, man. Thank you I, very much. I
1: appreciate that. Thanks a lot, and I love what you got going on, man. And uh, uh, looking forward to coming back.
0: Please do. Please. All do. right, man. Have a All great right. night. You too. Later, guys. Bye now. Another great episode right there. Hopefully you are following that great gentleman. Uh, that's silly. I know you're following Josh. You should be. Well, that puts another one in the can. Episode 339 in the hole. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed this episode. I know I did. It's been fun hanging out with Josh. So might as well wind her up. You guys know the routine look for me in the wormhole here in a few what time we got it's 1 30. let's check in back at two o'clock two o'clock we'll fire up the wormhole two o'clock eastern time please look for that notification or just check back at two o'clock for the wormhole with that being said I'm gonna go ahead and wrap up this episode. You guys know the deal. Please do something nice for somebody. Random acts of kindness do save lives. I'm a living, breathing example of that. Fill up that tray, use the restroom. I'll be back. I am out of here, guys.